You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! Back in the black and white crime-filled days of 2013. Lads, we got a problem. What? There's been multiple murders. Oh, no! Apparently... There is no longer any good board game, card game, dice or tabletop good audio in all of Australia left. It's all been killed. What are we going to do, Gov? I tell you what, I think it's up to us. I think it's up to us to fill the gap, and I think we should call it the Dice Men Cometh. That sounds really good. Really, Gov? Yeah, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> anyway, seven years later, hello, this is Leon, joined as I am always by young Mark. Yes. And old Garth. Yes, and you have joined us on the 27th of March, 2000... February. (laughs) February? I was looking at March. That's when our time machine went forward, Leon. That's when our 300th episode is. I don't know, we're all over the shop this week, as we tend to. Anyway, so, the reason I had that stupid little intro, which I just come up with, is because tonight... It's crime night. It is the crime detective murder mystery special, because there's a lot of those games now, and we're going to talk about some of the cream of the crop that's come out in the last couple of months. The cream of the crop or the crime of the crop? The The crime... Cream of the... Cream de la creme. Either way, what's important to know is that it's going to be a good episode. It is episode 297, not that far away from the big old 300. And always, we are brought to you by our good friends at LFG. Check them out at lfg-oz.com.au. I did say they have had some school holiday events. They even had a women and LGBTQIA plus event. That's great. Yes. Lovely work. Yes, if you're looking for crime, go elsewhere. But if you're looking for games and gamers... Go to LFG. If you're looking for fun and games about crimes, you can go there or you can grab some of the copies of the games we're going to talk about this evening. Stay here. Stay here with us. So, Garthy Boy, what are we going to chat about on the crime special? Well, we are going to go straight into 1940s LA for a start. As you do. And then, Leon, you are going to take us into some otherworldly dimension, potentially. Yes, possibly set in today's date. And then Mark is going to fill in a whole bunch of other crime-related criminess, aren't you? Yeah, because I'm old, I can talk about history because I was there and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and then we'll go home because that'll be the full show because there are a lot of games that are seeing players be detectives yep. or assisting detectives or trying to solve crimes or trying to prevent crimes being solved. There is a plethora of, of this in the genre and yep. we're going to talk about those and undoubtedly run out of time because that's mm. just the way we roll. And we're not going to talk about Cluedo. Sorry, everybody. No. So, look, it is The Dice Men Cometh. It's episode 297, <gasps> believe it or not. It is Edge Radio 99.3 FM. We are, as always, proudly sponsored by lfg-oz.com.au and we'll be back after this song. Life could be a dream, life could be a dream. If there was only a way that I could combine my passion for vintage clothing and my love of tabletop gaming. There absolutely is. Because Australian company Ludo Cherry, founded by Phoebe and Mark, are about to release their amazing tabletop designed clothing. Hey Sarah, check out these skirts. 
The skirts have pockets and each one can hold over 200 dice. That's right, and they've got casual button-up shirts, short sleeves and a front pocket for even more dice. That is spectacular. It is remarkably inclusive clothing as well because there's everything from S to 4XL in the shirt and size 6 to 24 for the skirts. So there's something for everybody. And for those of you that are worried about, you know, a lot of fashions come from places where they're not created ethically and sustainably. All of Ludo Cherry's clothes are ethically and sustainably manufactured and are made from 100% cotton for maximum comfort and breathability. And the skirts have pockets. Yay, pockets! So this campaign is going live on Kickstarter from March the 2nd. You can support them on Kickstarter, but more importantly, even now before it goes live, and it's only a couple of days away, you can jump on board to ludocherry.com forward slash cometh to enter to win a Ludo Cherry garment of your choice. All you do, go to that address, sign up for the mailing list. Of course, you'll get notified if you win, but everyone who enters will also get a free Ludo Cherry enamel pin if they back the Kickstarter for at least one garment. And a pin normally costs $15 Australian as an add-on. It's so cute. You know what, Garth? What? It's the namesake of the uh, the company because it's cherries, but the cherries are D20s. That's so cool. So look, Ludo Cherry is the next generation of geeky clothing, so we are so excited to see this one come to Kickstarter. We are so proud for Phoebe and Mark to get this one out there. For everyone, really, who has any love for gaming, so make sure on the 2nd of March, you are sitting with your mouse and your credit card ready on Kickstarter for the Ludo Cherry launch. And the skirts have pockets. M. That was Still Commit Crimes by Good Morning, and we are the Dice Men Cometh. We're not going to commit any crimes tonight, but we're going to tell you about some games where you'll try and work out who committed the crime. Yes, we will, while Leon figures out how to order us some dinner. <laughs> I was gonna, I'm trying to figure out spell paisanos properly. We got distracted by pizza. All right, so... Which is very crime noir type thing. It makes sense. Well, it hey, boss! You want a pizza? Well, we are going to talk about Detective City of Angels, mm. which was a really successful Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, Dice Man Leon was kind enough to back it and spend his real Leon money on this game. And we played it several times over the last, what, week, two weeks? Yeah, two so, weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, and you also got your respective partners involved uh, with the... Sarah, Sarah thing going on there with <laughs> never, ever remember whose is whose, but that's for Mark and Leon to figure out. So, look, Detective City of Angels is set in the dark and violent world of 1940s L.A. Anyone who has seen L.A. What is it? Confidential. It L.A. Confidential. Yep. Anyone who has played L.A. Noir. Yep. You just immediately transported into that time of fedoras and dames and people with guns and mm. all that kind of stuff, and you play potentially a gumshoe detective who is going to try and solve a particular crime. Now, it's not a legacy game, but it is a persistent world game where what you do and how you solve things in one case may potentially lead on into to future scenarios. And it is a game where one to five players will sit around a table and try and solve crime. Mm. Or at least most of you will try and solve crime because 
This is a 1v many game in probably its most popular game mode. Yes, if you read the book from scratch, there is a, the main mode, much like, say, the original Descent. You've got your baddie going up against everybody else. You 1v everyone, as you said. Yeah, and, and unlike the baddie thing, it's not that you're the baddie, you're a chisel. You play Los Angeles, essentially. Yeah, you play the or, role of... Or the crime itself. You, primarily the role of every suspect and yep. every contact who is questioned. And we'll, we'll get to how that all works. So, look, yes, I don't think it's a very hard concept to get your head around 1940s LA, that as a theme. And, mm. and I think that speaks really highly when you look at this game and you see the art by Vincent Dutrait, mm. who has done a crap load of games and has a whole bunch of iconic games under his belt. He's got Robinson Crusoe, he's got Jaipur, he's got Lewis and Clark, which I love. Um, Road to El Dorado, which I love. Correct. And he's also got Detective City of Angels. It's a really great, clear art style. Oh, he's also got Medici, the Grail Games version. Um, oh, yeah. Of Rhino Canizia's game. So, look, you'll sit down at the table, you will get your player board and you'll get your own player mini and you'll get your thematically appropriate four-player cubes mm. of your own colour, but you'll also get fedoras yeah. as a player piece. Yeah. I haven't seen a hat that sexy as the top hat in Monopoly in years. <laughs> mm -hmm. So primarily you want to play this game in the classic mode, and that is where one player will take on the role of the chisel who is essentially playing, as Leon said, LA, and more importantly, the people and the characters within it versus a whole bunch of detectives and you are all trying to prove yourself to be the best detective in this particular LA. Because mm -hmm. you're not working together. No. Unless you're playing sleuth mode. Yes. Which everyone is playing together, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Uh -huh. So, look, it starts with the option of a really well-voice-acted introduction into every single scenario that is available where, Leon, because this is your game. Yeah. We just hooked up a speaker... You played something on your telephone machine. I did. And we were immediately transported back to 1940s LA, sitting inside a police office going, solve crime? Yeah. Um, it is the publishers themselves, the Van Ryder Games, on their website, they have all different types of audio for every single case that's come out with this game, which in the base game I believe is nine, and then the expansion which came out afterwards added another four, and another expansion, which is coming very soon, is another four. So oh. you're not short of cases in this game, that's for sure. Yeah, and it'll be like, hey, detectives, you're in here, and blah, blah, blah is doing this, yeah. and this, uh, this poor dame has been murdered in the blah, 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 and you're going to have to try and do the da-da-da because you do the thing, but you've only got this much time. It's like that, but not like quite that. as, yeah, not quite as well. Yeah. yeah, so now, what are you going to do about it, eh? Yeah. Well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to spend every day on the case, Mr. Officer, sir. And on every single day, every single detective will have precisely four actions they can do, represented by the four thematically appropriate cubes of their colour. Just like all detectives back in the 40s. We all know they could only do four actions a day. Mm. That's been historically documented. Uh, absolutely. So, look, before we get into those actions, the board is just this little picture of LA... Um, you move from space to space. There are no, spaces are numbered from one down to a hundred, depending on the locations. It's mixed. It's made up of, I'm going to say, four different four or locations, five, like sectors, four sections. Yeah. In LA. And look, one of the actions you'll be able to do is move. What that means is you can move from wherever you are 
to anywhere else in one of those four or five sections. So to go from a section to another section is going to cost you two moves. You can do that. Every one of your moves costs one action. Not the most exciting one, but it is very necessary because the places you'll go might be police stations, they might be mob-controlled areas, and certainly they might be the place where a crime has happened. Yep. And they will certainly also be places where you want to speak to certain witnesses. So you'll move around. What you'll also do is you might go and search that location that you've just visited. Mm -hmm. And this is where the chisel, the player who is playing LA, will give you a card if you are the first detective to go and visit that. And they will give you a card, which the detective will read in secret, giving you a little bit of information about where it is you're investigating and why you should be there. And then also potentially a little bit of inside information. Mm -hmm. So say, for example, you've gone to the scene of a murder, you might get a bit more insight about the victim or how they were killed mm. or whereabouts it was specifically or something that will ultimately help you in cracking this case wide open. That's one of the things you can do. Or you can go to a location and talk to a person because that's kind of cool, but before you do that, you might want to search them because that's just the kind of person you are. And again, the chisel will give you a card and says, you found this hey, or you Kappa, found nothing. Get your hands off me. Exactly right. Some people might be very open to being searched and some people will be very, very closed. You're but getting very handsy there, detective. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> But then you get into the questioning of the suspects. And the questioning of the suspects is really where the role of the chisel comes into its own. Because, Leon, as the chisel, yes. in the first game that we played, yes. your role, like any chisel's role, is to go to be to, to disseminate information, really. And mm -hmm. if I, as a detective, am asking you about a thing, and the thing will be predetermined, it'll be yes. one of a series of um, suspects who we know one of these people has done it. Mm. Yep. And it's going to be also about another person or another location or a piece of evidence you found, and it's done in a really quite simple yet elegant card mechanic, uh, I find, in terms of the, um, the information sharing that you're going to get. Mm -hmm. But when you are asked as the chisel by a detective, tell me something about blah, 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 yep. the chisel has an interesting decision to make. So let's tell us what that is. Well, basically, most people, when they ask a question... They have some of them have only one answer that the chisel you can give to them, uh, but it's up to the detective to know whether they're telling the truth or they're telling a lie. So they can push a bit further if they wanted to to see if they can get a bit more information. And if you've been telling them the truth, that actually goes negatively. You know, if you're telling the truth to somebody and they go, you're lying, it, it arcs you up quite a bit. Yeah, so there's this really cool mechanic that's called leverage. Yep. Now, it's important to note that this is not a role-playing game. So mm. as a detective, I'm not asking Leon, who is playing, you know, the dame in this particular case, no. tell me about where you were on the night of the murder. I can only ask you about cards that are visible mm. on the board. Yeah. And the cards that are visible might be suspect one, two, three and four, and they might be three or four other people that I know were involved in the case. They might be a murder weapon that I found. They might be some other piece of evidence. They might be a location. So my questions are not to Leon tell me about whatever it is I'm curious about. It's tell me about this card and how you, as the character, relate to this card and what you know about it. So for any people who are concerned that, 
I'm going to ask a stupid question. There are no, are no stupid questions no, because no. you can only ever ask a question determined by the cards that are visible on the board. And then, yes, the chisel gets these cards which are potentially... I think they have up to eight pieces of information on them because there's, yep, a, there's a, a double-sided card and each edge of the card will have an answer. And the uh -huh. answer might start with the least and most useless piece of information and, and scale up to the most useful. But the chisel will get to decide what they want to reveal. Yes. And the reason they might want to make that decision is because they want to potentially give something to the detective so that the detective, the detective goes... Yeah, that could actually be the best bit of information that mm. this particular suspect knows about. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to necessarily play it dumb. Or even, you know, suck you in as in, oh, no, they're definitely telling me a lie when that actually is the truth and then yeah. you as the chisel get some leverage over the players. Correct. As the chisel, you're trying to basically make everybody spin the wheels and not get the crime mm. in time. So, for instance, when we were playing, my wife, I could tell from the, some of the things she said, and there's not a lot of table talk in this game because all the detectives are trying to solve the mystery by themselves, which we'll get to whether that's a positive or a negative at the end. Um, but I could tell that she was leaning towards one suspect as the murder murderer more than others, and I, she asked a question, and I had, like, four different responses. And one of them, which was not the correct best information she could get, was based around what I knew she was going towards. So I gave that to her. And she was very happy with that, <laughs> even though it was absolute cobblers. Yeah. yeah. And that's really, really cool. Yeah. Because as the chisel, you are constantly involved in this game. It's not just, I'm going to be a roadblock and stop whatever line of questioning is happening. It's, I want to give this detective something. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't, they're going to challenge me. And, and the challenging thing can go one of two ways. If I, as the detective, who've asked you, as the chisel, Leon, a question and I don't believe you, I'm going to challenge you. Mm -hmm. What that means is that I'm spending some leverage, potentially, to go push harder. Do something thematically to make this person talk and tell me not necessarily the truth, but the information that is the best to their knowledge or the most useful bit of information that they're going to give you. Yeah. Now, if I'm right... The chisel has to change their answer and say, look, this is actually the best information I've got. And I will then get some leverage over whatever character the chisel is playing, which will be beneficial in the subsequent turn. If Leon's the chisel has already given me the best possible answer, which might be useless, mm -hmm. but it's still the best that that person's going to give, the chisel gets some leverage over the detective. And that's where things become really interesting because in future turns, the chisel can stop me from questioning someone potentially stop me from bribing someone. Mm -hmm. And just there's this little cloud of uncertainty that um, is a little bit important in this game. Yeah, the problem being, though, is that, like you said, you can stop them from questioning somebody, but that is awful close to the old almost skip-a-turn mechanic, which <laughs> we all know is never a positive thing in any game. No, so before we get to how leverage is used, the other couple of things you can do as the detective is you can analyse, which is basically get a buck. Yes, and sometimes you want to get a buck because there'll be a couple of actions that you can do that cost money and you might just be that $1 short. You might be a ruble short like you are in Russian railroads. The other thing you can do is kickback, which is if you're in a mob location, yep. you can get a lot of bucks. Yeah. And that is really, really beneficial because the other things that you will be able to do out of turn as well as in your turn 
uh, can be the difference between getting a whole bunch of information or not. So a couple of other things you can do is if you're in a police station, you can basically pay some money to see a bit of evidence that you'd otherwise not be able to see. If you end up being in the same spot as a rival detective, you can pay that detective some money and see a bit of information that they have seen that you wouldn't have otherwise known about. Mm. Or on someone else's turn, when a detective is questioning another suspect you can pay some money to bribe your way in. So basically you're, you know, using, I forget the word, what's the little token that you're able to use? The leverage token? No, the one that you're no, saying, pass or bribe. Snitch. The snitch token. Yes, Thanks, Mark. Snitch, snitch, snitch. So say Mark is a detective and he's questioning Leon about something or other. Leon's giving him an answer and Mark's going, yeah, I'm just deciding whether or not that's true or not. Other players will have the ability then to sort of piggyback off Mark's line of questioning and go, well, I'm going to use a snitch. I'm going to get into this questioning so yeah. that I'm going to get access to the answer. Because it's important to note that in this back and forth between detective and chisel, the chisel's not reading aloud the answers. No. So if the detective is asking the chisel, who is playing the role of the victim's girlfriend, who did it, Leon's not saying as the girlfriend and the chisel, it was him. Yeah. Leon's passing a card to the detective mm. and saying, that's the answer you're going to get. Mark, as the detective, gets to read that answer and go, yeah, I believe that or no, I think it's baloney. Yeah. And you go from there. And that's a really cool, interesting mechanic that I like about this game. The other thing uh, is that, um, and I don't know if you mentioned this already, Leon, but you've got that envelope yep. where you can see mm -hmm. the card from a distance. You can see the card you're passing and you can see the volume of text on that card, whether it's one or two lines or whether it's like ten lines, whether it's really text intensive or not. Now, you don't know what is on there, of course. It could be just a lot of garbage. That's because you didn't bring your glasses. <laughs> well, there is that problem. But then, but yeah, that then you have to think, do I spend my limited cash to snitch and get in on that conversation or do I let that one slide and maybe... I'll get to see that card later on by bribing that detective or going to the station and seeing that bit of evidence. Yeah, ex exactly right. So every detective is involved in this. So I think it's a really cool mechanic, the, the leverage. I think it might have some drawbacks as well in part of the game and no doubt we might get to that. Mm. But the point being is every detective is always curious what the other detectives are doing and why because while thematically you're kind of working together to solve a crime, you are completely selfish. You want to get this crime solved before anyone else does because you want to win or lose. Yeah. There's not many of these detective-style games that are out there that this long that are competitive. Yeah. Normally they're story-driven and they're cooperative, so there's a lot of table talk going around, which when you play the sleuth mode in this is exactly that. You don't have a chisel. The game is automated by a book that comes with every version of the game. There's isn't like a Kickstarter exclusive. And from there you can be completely cooperative and that's where your table talk and what you're going to do and what actions you're going to spend as a joint detective with everyone comes about. Absolutely. So how you're going to win in the competitive mode is you are going to get your information you know, depending on what you choose to do as the detective. And at some point during the game, you will decide to make a guess. Yep. And you will provide essentially the who did it, why did they do it, and what did they do it with. And you'll give your answer to the chisel. The chisel will then come back to you with a number of things that you got right. So there's three questions. The chisel might just simply give you the number two back. Mm -hmm. You don't know what two out of the three things you've got right but you know you're not 100% right, you haven't mm. cracked the case open. Everyone gets one of those, and then if you haven't resolved uh, or there hasn't been a winner by the time 
the last day of the case, and certain cases are run out over certain amounts of time. Everyone gets one final guess, and that's where you can have multiple winners. If any of the detectives guess it right, they will be joint winners. If none of the detectives get it right, the chisel is the winner. Yes. And that's important. Now, I have to jump in here. I like the look of this game. It looks great. Uh, it looks very thematic. It looks of its time. The theme is definitely very cool. And the other thing I wanted to mention was... Um, now, I am not a literary critic. Good. And I know some podcasts and some YouTube videos like to bag out these games with a lot of reading about the writing style and the writing content. I really enjoyed the writing and the story in these games. I thought it was engaging. I thought it wasn't overly descriptive, which some of them can be. I quite enjoyed the writing. I liked the stories. I liked the little twists. And obviously, we've only played a couple of missions, so we haven't seen how deep down a rabbit hole you can go. We didn't see too many red herrings, but we saw a few, enough to certainly not have it be quite too obvious as to who it was and why. Yep. Because one of the big challenges in these games, and particularly in this game, I think, is working out the motive. Yes. Because, you know, did she do it for love or did she do it for money or did she do it for revenge or did she do it because she wanted to get in on the action or did she do it because a mob boss told her to do it? Often you know that this person killed that person and often you it'll be, well, the ones we've seen, it was reasonably obvious how they did it. But the why that's really got you digging into the corners, trying to work out, yeah, but they were in a relationship, but then they worked together, they hated each other, and you're really trying to open all those little doors, twist those knobs to try and find out which one of those it really was. And you're 100% right, but I also like it's this game where you will never know everything. Yeah. You no. do not have time to question every suspect about everything. Mm -hmm. So your decision as the detective in this competitive mode is, I've got to go down this path and I'm confident that that was the weapon or that was the reason that this person died. I've got these two suspects, so I'm going to drill down on these people and find out, you know, what it is and why they are involved. But the yeah. motive can be the make or break in this one. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it tricky because there sometimes could be multiple motives. Well... The thing is, they even let you... You only have to be one of the three possible motives. Potentially. Although there is quite a bit of overlap with, with a few of them. Because, yeah. you know, is it romance? Is it jealousy? Is it sex? Is it... You know, quite a few of them are sort of... Are not exactly the same thing, but quite similar. Yeah. So, anyway, that's the overview. There's certainly no spoilers and we haven't given anything away. Let's switch this one to... What do we think about yeah. it? Because this is going to lead on to another thing. So, Leon. Righto, I shall take the floor on this one. Now, I shall say that I liked this. Sadly, I didn't love this. However, what I'm just saying then is talking about the sleuth mode, the cooperative mode. The base game of this, you, when you play as the chisel and everybody else, I actively, I think, dislike. And I'll tell you the reasons for why. Even though the other players get to get involved in your bribes and could possibly find out the information that you're looking at, there seems like there's a lot of downtime between turns, yep. if, even when you can be involved in that sort of situation. <gasps> which I can't I, believe it. Which I don't think is great. However, I agree with Leon. Wow. Yeah, it's a storytelling game where for over two hours, you're nearly no, never discussing the story with the people around you. You're reading it yourself, which 
again, is not... You know, any game where there's this length and there's nearly no discussion about the game you're playing is not really fun. And I kind of look at it as everyone kind of growing up, you're watching your Midsummer Murders with your nana. It's much more fun to watch that and have a chat about it than sitting there by yourself. Oh, that's so nice. I believe. The chisel, which I played in the original game, um, the chisel, for majority of the game, does bugger roll. You do very little except watch your players do their thing until they ask a question and then you've just got to put a sheet in a, an envelope. Uh, and, but the thing is, what you can do when you do get to be something, do something as a chisel, is stop them from getting story. This is a story-driven game yeah. where you're stopping them from giving them story. I, even though I was playing to win, because that's why you, how games are work, you should play to try and win, I didn't want to do that because that's just wrong, a story game where you're trying to deny story. It doesn't add a challenge, it just adds an annoyance. And I didn't really enjoy that. However, when it came to the, the cooperative, when we could actually start chatting about it in the, in the sleuth mode, that I did enjoy. However, I did enjoy it, but it did take a bit of time as well. Yeah, look, I, as I said, it doesn't happen often. Mm -hmm. I'm totally in the same boat as you yep. if it's a boat full of detectives, Leon, because yep. I found the, the um, competitive mode... It was so reliant on, i got to waste, I only get four actions, but i got to waste at least one of them getting some money mm -hmm. so that I can use that money to get some information on other people's turns. But then if you're next, Garth, and you ask a poor question and I think, but I really need to know this information, i got to spend my money anyway. And then it comes around to Leon and he asks an awesome question and I've run out of money. doesn't matter how much I know that that was an awesome question, I can't get into it. Whereas in the cooperative mode, I really enjoyed it. And as you said, the story really got to come out. We got to work together. We got to put our brains together, yep. which is part of like what being a detective and being part of a team is about. Now, I will say the other thing I missed in this game, and I know part of it is because of the time that it's set in, but even in the 1940s, 1950s, you know, they did have rudimentary forensics around bullets and fingerprints and blood samples and things like that. And the fact that you can't visit the coroner's office or visit the forensics dudes, I know they only did a bit, but you, that to me is a missing in a detective. And I feel like maybe I've been spoilt in other detective games where that is a big part of the game and you're able to put, use science to help you solve the crime. That, yeah, I, I thought that enough. was missing in this. Look, at the end of the day, this game is thematically, I think, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Mechanically, super simple. Mm. We played the scenario, which was the tutorial, in about two and a half to three hours. Yep. We then played the next session, session in that in under an hour and a half. Yeah. The cooperative, once we all knew the game, was yeah. lightning So quick. getting through that was brilliant. And I, look, I do agree that even though I won the competitive <laughs> mode... Um, yeah. It was probably only because I was the last player. Yeah. And the last player has a little bit of an inherent advantage in, in guessing who done it. Mm -hmm. uh, I did prefer the cooperative mode, but I did want to ask, really, is the role of the chisel, should it just be a, a, the GM role and be that my role is to let my players have fun as opposed to obstruct them? And, and that's where I wanted yeah. to, to clarify your point about it's absolutely a story game. Yep. And, yes... The chisel can give out information which is really funny. The chisel can give out information that's really informative and they can be a roadblock. Yeah. 
And there's nothing wrong with this really wild story arc and giving different bits of information, but there is certainly a big difference in the quality of the answers that you will get. Mm. Even from a character-to-character basis as the chisel, you, yeah. you, you will have some characters where thematically the answers are great, like you're dealing with a dumb brute who is just a bit of muscle, and they'll give you that kind of answer and yeah. it'll be two syllables and that's it because their role is to just act as a bit of a, a meat bag and that's and that's how they roll. Yeah. But then you might be dealing with a high-up person in industry or in the mob or something like that and their answers can be really just wildly different, I guess. It, it doesn't it sort of drags you out of that theme, I think. Yeah. So, look, anyway, I enjoyed this game when we played it competitively. I really enjoyed it when we played it cooperatively. I think it's got a lot of interesting mechanics, primarily this very simple grid-based system of how you will ask questions to certain characters yeah. about certain things. Without right. having an app involved, it's the best way I've seen that Absolutely. Been done. And I do like the voice acting that goes into setting up the case. I think that's really high quality. <sighs> it's just too long. Yeah. Yes. It's really simple. The game shouldn't be that long. The other thing I have as a concern is that in the scenarios we've played, which admittedly haven't been a huge number of them, no. you get access to about 90% of the content in a case in the first turn for each player. Once yeah. the table has it's gone around one time, you've got about you've you've got a hundred percent of the people involved. Yeah. You know who's yeah. who's done it, or at least they're one of the three or four yeah. suspects. Again, because it's not an app, they're all the cards yep. at the top. You know one of them has to be the murderer. And you've probably got eighty to ninety percent of the locations you have to visit, the evidence that you're going to collect. So there might be one card that you've got to reveal and that's the only bit of thing that you don't know and that's at the end of turn one and you're going to be playing this for an hour and a half to yep. two hours. Yeah, so at the end of the day, I don't think I'll ever play the competitive version of this ever again. I wouldn't recommend people to do it but the sleuth mode I think is worth a crack and I would recommend that. However, the idea of a competitive detective game I don't think is a bad one. Wouldn't it be great if you could do that and it only took, say, half an hour, and it was very interactive. That's wouldn't, a great wouldn't idea. Wouldn't that be a belter of an idea? Why don't we come back and talk about a game that might be something like that after this? We should also mention our very noble sponsors at lfg-oz.com.au. They've got all sorts of things, especially LFG, looking for gamers in Sydney, in, we've got the dates there, Garth, the 10th, the 12th of July, this year at the Bankstown Sports Club in Sydney, where not just one, not just two, but three dice men will be in attendance. Can't wait. We've got lots of special things planned. We can't get to, uh, we can't wait to be there. We'll be back shortly to talk about more detective drama. And now, Mark, did you want to do another Kickstarter update? Oh, I sure do, Garth, because I'm so excited. Why are you excited? Because Hyper Viper Games Playmats, that I've personally backed myself, has now funded... Hey! And still over 20 days to go on the campaign. That is crazy good for the guys at Hyper Viper Playmats. So congratulations, Mitch, on having a fully funded Kickstarter for these amazing 3mm thick playmats. Absolutely thicker than your average playmat, which is 2mm or less. But not only that, there's over 10 different designs. You've got your fancy designs like Azul 
and like a Western one for your sort of flick em up, whatever that game is. And then you've also got your plane designs for your normal games. There's even a poker design for you Pokemon heads out there. Is that what poker is? I don't think so, Mark, but it's good that you're excited. I am. It's good that we finally managed to pry some of those precious dollars out of that moth-ridden <laughs> wallet of yours. Absolutely. Look, I can't wait for this plane mat to hit the table myself. I've gone for a 90 by 120 because I've got your big rectangular table. It's only $80 Australian, believe it or not. That's pretty cool. And there's free shipping to Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane with local pickup. That's awesome. And... Oh, what? There's more? Well, potentially, if more people get on board from other capitals, there may even get to be free shipping to those locations. I'm really pushing for Hobart. So <laughs> all you Hobartians, get out there and order. But look, you've got your 90 by 90, only $60. Your 90 by 120, $80. Your 97 by 153 centimetres is only $120. And Garth, guess what? There's 92 by 183 centimetres as well, and that's only $130. And importantly for all our international listeners, that's Australian dollars. That's right. So if you're north of the equator, it's probably what you keep in your wallet anyway. It's like $1.50 in North American currencies. The Australian dollar is going south faster than Santa is headed north. <laughs> exactly right. So look, you've got plenty of time. This project will finish up on the 25th of March in the wee hours of the morning. So get in early if you like playing lots of games, especially with dice, because these playmats will allow you to roll those dice without them falling off your table. The other thing is cards. How often do you struggle to pick up a card off the table? The neoprene mat makes it so easy to pick up your cards, but hey, they just look fantastic. Exactly right. So once again, this is Hyper Viper Playmats. They are on Kickstarter until the 25th of March. They are really good value, but more importantly, really exceptional quality for those of us who really want to pimp out every game we've got. Absolutely. Get on board. Oh, of course, that was Rage Against the Machine with Killing in the Name of Because I'm a Criminal. Yeah. Here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM, you are with the Dice Men Cometh. And we are proudly sponsored by LFG, looking for gamers, mm -hmm. an awesome game store in Canberra, also an online game store at lfg-oz.com.au. Now, Leon. Yes, sir. You're going to talk about the second of our detective games, which is quite a different game from the first. It certainly is. It's a bit more modern. So mm. I just imagine, Mark, you open your eyes mm. to discover the most horrible truth of a lifetime <gasps> that it has come to an end. You are a ghost now, oh, floating no. in the air, terrified. You look at your own body, and a group of strange individuals have gathered around your mortal remains, watching it closely with sparks of fascination in their eyes. They want to communicate with you to discover how your life ended. You need to talk to them and reveal the truth so the evil culprit can be judged. Of course I do. Yeah. So we are talking about Paranormal Detectives, which is made by Lucky Duck Games, the same people that do Chronicles of Crime. Oh, I'll be mentioning that one later. Anyway, it is a two to six player murder mystery deduction party game that plays in about 30-ish minutes. Now, I just wanted to clarify straight away, I might mention the word phrase party game a few times. Party game normally means kind of, you know, not much of a game to it and whatnot, I can tell you, this game is certainly not that. It is very, very good. So, it is designed by Simon, Adrian and Marcin, who are three Polish lads, and I am not even going to attempt to say their last names, so I do apologise for that in it's advance. It's pretty good. And Simon himself, who is 
is the first designer up on BGG, is actually a detective. <gasps> Isn't that cool? A proper one. And the game came about from a game designing jam, like all the cool kids do. Called like Strawberry Jam? It's kind of like that, yeah. Uh, which called Games Laboratory. Ooh. Not the one here, but over <laughs> in Poland. Yeah. So a group of designers got together and tried to basically nut out a game, and this is what came of it. Wow. Paranormal Detectives came out of it. So it is a deduction party game where one player takes on the role of a ghost and all other players work as paranormal detectives and need to discover how the victim died. Using paranormal abilities, they will communicate with the ghost, asking open-ended questions, which, my God, they're difficult to come up with from time to time. Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. That's not, that's not one of them, no. Uh, the ghost answers in a variety of ghostly ways by arranging hangman's knots, playing tarot cards, creating word puzzles on a talking board, drawing or holding the hands of the detectives and many many more which i'm going to go through in a moment and mark we're not allowed to ask about those no you're not allowed to spoil them Leon said we're not allowed to spoil them. Okay. okay no okay so at the beginning of the game the ghost player receives a story card with a full description of what happened each card depicts all the details of the case each detective receives and then each of the other detectives they all receive an asymmetrical pre-destructive Pre-constructed, can't even read my own words, set of interactive cards, mm. a player investigation sheet, a player screen, and one of those old Sharpie pens with an eraser on the end because you're going to be writing down some notes because you're all detective-like. Yes, you'll be writing down a lot of wrong notes as well. Yes, you certainly will. <laughs> so on Depending the, on the quality of the ghost, anyway. <laughs> so on your turn, each detective will ask the ghost an open-ended question, like I said, so no yes or no questions because that would be too easy. Uh, they want the, the ghost to try and answer. Um, they will also then play a card which will put the ghost towards how they're going to answer that question. But what are these cards I hear you talk about? What are these cards that I hear you talking about? Leon, now, you and I have both played a ghost. Yes. So yeah. I'm curious to have a, a little chat about that. But, yeah, these cards, they, yes. um, and not they make the game. And the detectives you can play as, the five different detectives in the game, not everybody has the same ones. Like, there's the nine cards you can have, potentially, but there are certain characters that absolutely don't have two of specific cards. Yeah, and with different player count, you'll have access to different cards as each yes, of the detectives. which is cool. So, you've got the, um, the quill pen, which is where the ghost will draw the answer that you're asking using your own hand and guided by their hand. So, they grab your hand with a pen in it and write, draw on a board, which is just fun. It, must, it was hilarious. Yeah. It must be important to note that you almost need to put out a little disclaimer when you're going to play this game. Yeah. Because in this hobby, like a lot of other yeah. hobbies and a lot of other facets of life, there are people who don't enjoy this kind of stuff. So there yeah. is this kind of thing that may occur in the doesn't, game. Doesn't Leon give this disclaimer at the start of all his game nights? That be I'm warned, going to touch people. Be warned, <laughs> I will be touching you. Yeah, yes. but he does that after he's already dropped his dax. <laughs> yes. So it kind of loses its point. And by that point, nobody doesn't want it, so it's... <laughs> Anywho, um, but we, even the your ga game nights are always consensual. Though. Even the game that we played, where we played with close personal friends, people that I consider my family, I flat out said, if someone doesn't want me to touch them, yes. we're all adults here. Just tell me. That's yeah. fine. We can figure out something else. And there's no reason why you can't do that in your Correct. own game. Uh, there's the haunted mirror, where the ghost will do a three-second pantomime <laughs> to yes. answer your question, which. You can get up and do if you like and put a bit of energy into it. It's Absolutely, you. you should do that. There is the Whisper of Shadows where they will mouth a one-word answer to you and we've discovered that the hint with this is you do it multiple times and also turn your face sideways because sometimes turning your face sideways can help because it's really difficult if you're not a lip reader or do sign language. To but it, if you've got Garth doing it, don't bother because no, it's just I like... 
Right. I didn't even know what yeah. it was. I wasn't saying anything. Yeah. It was blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but it, it may as well have been blah. It wasn't blah, my fault the question blah, asked was really, blah, blah, really blah, Anyway, blah. so then there is the uh, ghostly scream where, ah! the, where the ghost will make a sound to answer the question or they will indicate an object in the room. So they will point at an object now, in the I'm, room. Now, I must admit I'm still confused by the first part of that response yep. because... What kind of sound does the mm. ghost make? Like, you know, and this is the thing, you, you're, being asked sound, an, yeah. you're being asked an open-ended question and you need to understand that the open-ended question can be, who killed the person? Yeah. You know, how did they die? What was the murder weapon? There's, there's a whole bunch of, like... Well, if you were killed by a French chef, you could just go, oh, oh, oh and everyone, <laughs> would, everyone would understand. If you were run over by a train, you'd go, choo-choo. Yeah, maybe. But, but chew is a word, so maybe you'd have to go... Exactly. That's more of a kind of thing. But either way, yes, it's room for interpretation, but it's all about fun. Everyone, it is. Everyone relax. Uh, ghost touch. This is the one you're all after. <laughs> and we put up a little... Do we, do we actually put that video up somewhere that no, we did Mark this? No, Mark hasn't done that yet. No, he's just kept it for his own collection, where I gave Mark a good touching too. <laughs> so this is where you draw the answer on the detective's back, which is quite fun. Uh, then there's the hangman's knot, where you get these two uh, black and white... Kind pipe cleaners. Of pipe cleanery type things that are a bit more bendy and a bit more stable than them, and you can answer it by making a little design, which is good fun. Then you have the tarot cards. There is a deck of about 20 or so tarot cards. You draw the top three, and with your best of the ability, this may be the hardest of any of them, uh, yes. you try and give the best answer you can, and sometimes the cards you give are just utter nonsense, but sometimes they can be brilliant and lead to hysterics. Now, do either of you two, Mark and Leon, know whether these are actually real like based on real tarot cards, the pictures and things, because yes, all of them have yes, a... Yes, they are. I think they are. Yeah, yeah? so yeah. They, they have, yeah. you know, iconography on them, they have pictures, they have the name of a card, which might be, you know, the yeah. withering hand or the yeah. monkey chest, I don't know what tarot <laughs> stuff is. But all of this information is, is really open to interpretation because as the ghost, you can't say anything, you're just playing down these three cards in some configuration yep. and <laughs> leaving it up to the detectives to analyse incorrectly. Yes. And then there is the ghost meter, which is kind of like, you know, you see those paranormal detectives that have meters that go all wonky every which way. Oh, the wonky meter. The wonky meter. Um, you can put three different pieces of information on this meter and there's, yeah, lots, sliders, there's lots of different sliders and they go from things like light to heavy, old to young, good to evil. And there's also one that has a colour on the side. So it can be helpful. It could also not be helpful at all. Oh, and then so the, hard. The final one is your, your Ouija board ripoff, which is called the talking board. But the thing is you get five tokens that you can put towards either you can use up to five so you could use a smaller word if you wish or you can use the first five letters of a bigger word mm -hmm. but you do not point directly at the letters because that would be too obvious every letter in the alphabet is grouped into three it's so like you just, your phone keypad yes you just point at a section except not alphabetically it's no. like X, yeah, X P T. Yeah, like, you what? put the you put the one on X P T and the two on C Z Y, and then people have just got to try and figure it out from there. So throughout the game, you ask every person will have a turn playing a card, getting an answer, going from there, and you're trying to figure out the the who did it, the why did they do it, the the murder weapon, the where were they, where were they, and how did you die? Because just because it's a murder weapon doesn't necessarily mean you're going to die that specific way. Uh, so the detectives may try twice during the game to guess what had actually happened to the victim, uh, starting with who was killed, yeah, where did that happen, what was the motive, how was it done, and what was the murder weapon. Then the ghost write down secretly, much like in the last game, they mm -hmm. just give them a number yep. as to how many they've got correct. And then the game will end if somebody gets it correct, uh, they win, 
as well as they win with the ghost player. The ghost player wins because they've given good, successful information. Because yeah, they won everyone. So they've won. Uh, only other way that is that if everyone runs out of guesses, the first person that guessed four out of five, they will be the sole winner, and the ghost will not win because they clearly didn't do that good a job telling the story. Mm. Shut up, I did a great That is the game <laughs> in the box when you first get this. It's a game that's only about uh, $50-odd. There is 28 I believe, of these mysteries, yep. each taking about half an hour or more. When we first played this with a group of my friends, we were going to play Court of the Dead, which I played last night. Good, by the way. Spoilers. Uh, we were going to play that. We started chatting, thought, oh, this is going to take too long. Let's play this paranormal one instead. We ended up playing this five times in a row because yeah. everyone wanted to crack at being the ghost yep. after playing it. Uh, and then we played this after we played City of Angels the other day which we went, uh, it took three hours in a competitive storytelling game. We didn't really talk that much. Whereas this, it's so interactive. Mm. It's, I'm going to stop gushing about it and let you two talk about it because it is so far in 2020 the best game I've played this year. Well, we talked about uh, a while back, we talked about Obscurio being the game that sacked Mysterium. Very similar to this, yes. Well, in my mind, Paranormal Detective sacked both of those other games because it is... So much more fun, so much more interactive, yep. so much quicker. Just everything about it, you are constantly engaged, even when it's, you know, someone's drawing on the back of someone else. You're trying to look and see what they're drawing. You're thinking all the time. You're, you're talking, even though it's not cooperative, you're talking all the time. It's hilarious fun. But it's also a 1v many where the one... Yep is on the side of the many. Yeah. yeah, And you have and a the great limit, the limitation is the game and the questions and the mechanics of the game and it works really well. Oh man, it's fun to play the ghost. Yeah. And it is heartbreaking and brain burning <laughs> to do it when a detective asks you an open-ended question and you've got to answer by making a thing out of two pipe cleaners? Yeah. What? And you'd think it'd be easy because an example of an open-ended question is who killed you? Yes. Yeah. You think, okay, I'm going to get one of my five answers there, but no, probably not, <laughs> particularly if your ghost's name starts with G. Oh, shut up again. <laughs> well, that's why I said at the start of this, I didn't want people to hear the word party game and think, but people think of that in a negative way and in a reductive way. This game is very good, but it's also, because I like it personally, but from a design point, it's designed very well. Mm. It is up there with, like, like, Obscurio is Mysterium by the same designer years later after he's had thousands of feedback and whatever else. This is by three guys, one of them an actual detective mm. who went to a gaming what session. What are the names of those guys again? Uh, you heard them earlier. Uh, it's a podcast, you can rewind it. <laughs> and this is what they come up with. And like I said, after we played City of Angels and then we played this... And then straight away I went, well, you're in trouble with my collection, City of Angels, because this is yeah. is gold. Like I said, very similar to Obscurio, very similar to Detective Murder in Hong Kong. It possibly, at the moment for me, may be better than both of those, and they're two games that were absolutely both in my top ten of whatever years they yeah. come out. It is an excellent game, and I can't wait for it to get a bit more higher distribution in Australia, because I think it's only just come out in the States not that long ago. It must be said, though, that... Asking open-ended questions is not necessarily an easy thing if no. you don't understand the basic principles of effective open-ended questions. Yeah. Yep. Um, we are not necessarily conditioned to it. Now, Mark, you and I have spent our working lifetimes mm. in some form of sales roles or at least in, in yeah, professional public, public communication. communication. Yeah. So asking open-ended questions is 
quite a simple thing to do because we've done it for years and years and years, but yeah. it's not something that everyone is easy with. Yeah. And similarly, the touching of whether it be a hand or the back or anything, some people don't get on with that. Yeah. And that is absolutely fine and you just adjust it. It's, yep. that, it's that simple. This yep. game is designed for everyone to have fun. Mm -hmm. Only other thing I'd... As a criticism, I would like to see more cases on it because having a flick through the cases there, I'm still a bit dubious about the answers to some of those. Yes, but as we did say, some coming up with your own case in this would not be very difficult at all. Look, we better throw to a quick song because Mark has something he really wants to say. You with the Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Thanks to LFG. We'll be back after this song. Hello everybody, it's your friendly neighbourhood Leon here. Just a quick break in the action to remind everybody how you can interact with the Dice Men. Of course, we are on all those social medias. So things like your Instagrams, your Facebook, your Twitters. We're on all of them at Dice Men Cometh. You can also email us at thedicemencometh at gmail.com. That's a great way to get in touch with us for things like asking any type of questions, but also sponsorship. We've been doing that for several years now with various different promotions and ads, and you can be involved in that too if you like. Also, if you wish to help the Dice Man Cometh, you can get onto iTunes and chuck us one of those cheeky five-star reviews. It helps people from around the world get to listen, and we've met some great international listeners because of that. So the more you can do that, the merrier. And if you would like, we also have our Patreon. You can go over there and chuck us a few bucks, completely up to you. Even if you threw us a dollar a month, you would not notice out of your bank account, but we certainly would. If everybody listening to my voice did that, we would be happy as Larry. And we use that money to good effect. We use it to get to various different conventions all around Australia. It ain't easy getting around this big old country that we have, but we manage and we do it because we want to meet you and play as many games as possible. Or you could jump over to redbubble.com, chuck in the Dice Men Cometh, and have any of our merch with our logo on it. We've got t-shirts, we've got hoodies, there are mugs, there are heaps of cool stuff over there. I've got quite a bit of it, and it all looks grand. So, with all that being said, thank you very much for listening and supporting us over the years. We absolutely love doing this show, and hopefully we'll be doing it for a long time to come, and your support is one of the main drivers of that. So feel free to get in touch about anything to do with board gaming or anything whatsoever. But enough of my chit-chat, back to the action. Well, there you go. That was Soko with Being Sad is Not a Crime. Committing crime is sad, though. You at the Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM, and Mark... You look like you have something to say I about do. detective Just games. very briefly. So, of course, this whole thing started with Cluedo and Clue. We're not going to dwell on that. Next up, some people may not know, 221B Baker Street, which came out in 1978. And I actually have a copy of the Australian version, which was printed by a local company in, like, 1980. Well, you met at home. Arthur Conan Doyle, didn't you, personally? <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, you babysat him. Shut up. Um... The annoying thing about it is it, it is a roll-and-move game. You are rolling and moving around a map of England and going and asking people questions. The questions are interesting because they're sort of like word puzzles, even though you're trying to solve a crime, but they, the answers they give you are sometimes like cryptic crossword questions. Then, of course, the big one, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, which came out in 1985 and won the 1985 Spiel des Jahres. It has two expansions. It's been redone a couple of times. It's also got, you've got the Mythos Tales version, which is Cthulhu. Thulu setting in the 1920s. The biggest thing about that, I think, is it's very annoying how Sherlock can solve the crime in about three steps and you can never even get close. But it is quite a clever system, except 
the big drawback is you can't ask someone a question, find out information later on and then go back and ask a question based on that same information because that person only ever has one one response. Yeah, it's a really fun experience, not really a game. Yeah. And you can have as much fun playing it solo as you can with five people, arguably more fun solo and with two players. Yep rather than letting a player count get out in the way. Yeah. Now, we already mentioned Mysterium because you're solving a crime in that, which, as we said, in gameplay, it's been replaced by Obscurio, but yes. Obscurio isn't really no. a detective game. Then, of course, the big one that was number four on my list of 2018, Chronicles of Crime, that mm -hmm. brings in the, your virtual reality technology. QR codes. Your QR codes. And so you can ask someone a question, go away and get some more information. When you come back and ask them a question again, because you've got other information, they will give you different answers. It's done in the electricery. And I must say, my kids, having not played it for a year and a half, still want to go back and play it again. So it's left yeah. this impression on my kids. They really loved it. Yeah, and I, I didn't really enjoy the noir expansion that changes a few things, but I must admit I haven't yet played the Welcome to Redview, where it's like you're the Scooby-Doo gang of yeah. teenagers Ooh. in the 1980s, and it's almost a little bit role-playing-y. They're about to launch three new standalone expansions on Kickstarter. It's called Chronicles of Crime Millennium with Anno 1400, 1900, and 2400. I noticed all three of those are in the uh, Board Game Geek hot games. So we'll wait and see. Then, of course, my number one game of 2019, Detective a Modern Crime Board Game by Portal Games. You've got the computer in face plus cards, and I love how they wove the story together of over multiple generations in that you start off investigating, if you like, a cold case, but then it's linked to modern day. Because you're using the computer, things can change all the time, and they can actually change the game. Mm. Um, it has been really well received. Leon, you mentioned Deception Murder in Hong Kong, another yes. game. It's the closest to Paranormal Detectives, I believe. Yeah, it's it... certainly more on the party game side of things. And then uh -huh. one, one I um, read about last night that I didn't wasn't aware of is one of the Exit games, Exit Dead Man on the Orient Express. I... Not only is it an Exit game, but it's also a whodunit. I have played that one. It is the best of the Exit series. There you series. go. Now, um, and that was your best game of the year? Two years ago, I think? Yeah. yeah. Now, of course, there's also Mystery of the Abbey, which is set in the sort of in the name of the Rose type thing, which is quite simple deduction because you've just got basically 20-odd cards of, of friars and you're trying to work out which one is missing. Um, Letters from Whitechapel, which you'd think it's a detective game, but it's really not. It's just working out where someone is. And Pulp Detective was a Kickstarter I backed a while ago, yep. which had nothing to do with detectives <laughs> except the art. So I want to. There's all of that. I just want to ask you guys two questions. We've got two minutes to give the answers. Garth, I'll go with you first. Which is your favourite, and what is the one thing you love about it in the detective genre? <sighs> At the moment, it's really hard to go past Paranormal Detective. Mm -hmm. and I, I, feel Leon burning his eyes into me because he wants to be saying it first. Yep. The one thing I love about it is the fact that you're all working together but there is an inherent handbrake, which is the line of questioning that the ghost has to deal with. Yep. The fact that the, the detectives have to ask really good questions to get that little bit of information ahead of all of the other detectives. Yep. They've got to ask a question that they will get something out of that the other detectives won't and the ghost is hamstrung by the fact that they've either got to do something with, you know, a Ouija board or they've got to draw on someone's back or they've got to do something else. I find that really fascinating. Plays fun. 
I love it. Leon? Uh, yes, I mean, I just spoke about it for 10 minutes. Yes, it is Paranormal Detective. However, I must say, Chronicles of Crime, I want to like that so much more than I do. And I know it's just a small thing, but passing the phone back and forth to scan yeah. those codes, it seems so small, but it really annoyed me when we were playing it with multiple people. And if we played it with two, yeah. it would probably be no issue whatsoever. Say. 